That's right, everybody. It's Monday, Martin Luther King Day here in Brooklyn, so you know what that means. It's time again for the Brooklyn Paper Radio Live from the Brooklyn Paper Building in beautiful downtown Brooklyn, America's downtown. I'm Gersh Kunstman of the New York Daily News, along with my cohort, Vince DiMaselli, the editor-in-chief of the Brooklyn Paper. We got a big show. Vince, we got a big show. It's a gigantic show. I mean, it is, I, I guess I overuse the word big, but this is a huge, to quote Donald Trump, a huge show today. We have, first of all, we got some new sponsors. In addition oh, to Atlas Steakhouse and Brooklyn Spine Center, we got Dr. Lichter, the dentist. We're gonna, you're going to hear from him later. We're going to have Councilman Vince Gentili. Vincent. The longest serving councilman, current councilman. From Bay Ridge, can talk about trains, horses, and of course, why he's been on the council so long. Forever. It seems like forever. We're going to talk about the sweet and low closing, which is both sour and completely low. Oh, yeah. From what I hear, we're going to talk to a union guy over there. We're going to do our In the Paper segment, where we're going to talk about the tallest building in the world proposed for Brooklyn. That's going to be very exciting. And we're going to talk about a new coffee shop that opened up. Ruth Brown, our coffee expert, is going to come in. She, she wrote the book on coffee. And then we're going to talk about... Living the dream. That's right. It's Martin Luther King Day. Vince, how'd you spend Martin Luther King Day? Oh, today? I spent it at work. Well, that's that's a, his own version of Dr. King's legacy. He put his nose to the grindstone, and he worked his little butt off. Am I right? That's you don't even have any butt at all. There's nothing left down there, Gersh. Well, i ha- yeah, I got to tell you something. I'm living the dream in my own way, too. And I actually had a dream last night. And you're mm-hmm. not going to believe this dream. Tell me about it. I had a dream. I was a homeless guy, and I got my ass beat up. Wait, 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 wait. Where were you homeless? I was homeless in on back alley in Brooklyn. Okay, so down some alley. Yeah. Down some alley. And these guys beat me up. Well, it sounds like the opening scene to uh, Inside Lewin Davis. That's a little bit like that. But I'm not nearly as talented as Lewin Davis. Anyway, no, no, not that was my Martin Luther King Day dream. Didn't like it. Anyway, listen, Jimmy, can you go get the councilman? The councilman we're bringing this in an in-studio interview. We're bringing in Councilman Vince Gentili. Shut the door there, Jimmy. And, and this is going to be a big one. Now, Vinny, you've known Vincent Gentili for a long time. Yes, I have. I was there when he was elected to the state Senate back in 1996, I believe it was. Well, I was there when he was elected in a special election to the New York City Council in 2003. Do the mm. math, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. No, so I've known him longer. Yeah, you may have known him longer, but I've known him a lot better. Well, I know a lot his, better. I know his name better than you know Vince his name. Gentili. Vincent Gentili. Out of Bay Ridge. He's coming yeah. in right now to the studio. I'm going to pull out a chair for him. Jimmy, chair ready. do we have any special kind of hail to the chief kind of music for What him? kind of music we got for, Here he for comes. Vinny Gentili? We got special music for the councilman? What do you got? Anything? Nothing. Nothing? Jimmy's got special music. Have a seat there, councilman. Thank nice you, to see you. you. There's Thank some you. water for you. Headphones there. Get right in there to the microphone because, as you know, I yell. And as you know, Vince listens. I listen. Anyway, put your headsets on so you know what we're talking about. This is great. we got a councilman in studio. This is wonderful. Now, remember, just talking to the microphone. That's the key. We've had the borough president of Brooklyn. You know this guy, Eric Adams. He called in. I do. We've had had former councilman David Yasky. We've had councilman uh, Steve Levin. So let's start off with the tough question, Councilman Gentili. What's your working relationship with uh, the borough president of Brooklyn, Eric Adams? Excellent. Excellent relationship. Thank you for having me, by the way. Oh, you know, no, 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 no. You know, no, I just came out there. of the green room and got all set up to come in here, and I find out it's a podcast radio. So, yeah, <laughs> no, the, the How was the green room? We gave you great. some yeah, it great. It was great. I a lot of it. <laughs> all right. So how's your working relationship <laughs> you with the king of Brooklyn? I, I just had, I, in fact, I just had a very productive meeting with the borough president on Friday. Mm-hmm. And um, he and I are looking to work on several things together. He's been uh, a partner of mine when we have uh, we've had projects in Bay Ridge, Dyke Heights, and Bensonhurst that he's contributed funding 
toured. So uh, the borough president and I have a very good working relationship. Uh, some of his staff used to work for me. Uh, Andrew Gennardis, one of his counsels, uh, uh, was one of my staff members early on. The so, revolving door of government. Yes, exactly. All right, so. but now the tough question. There's only one topic on the mind of Brooklynites right now, and I'm talking about the hipster highway getting cut. I'm talking about the Netherlands Express getting cut. That's the L train, the N train. Your own R train in Bay Ridge stinks. What are we going to do about it? First of all, what's your opinion of these cuts? Well, I, I think this is, this is the uh, reality of the situation coming to home to roost on the MTA, that for so many decades of not maintaining uh, an upkeep of the system, now everything is coming to roost at the end, and all of a sudden everything becomes emergency crisis mm -hmm. work mm -hmm. that's being done, and now they have no choice but to do it. I know, but you're talking about the L train which is the lifeblood for hipsters in Brooklyn, in, in Williamsburg, right, Vince? You take it all the time. Oh, yeah. I and then you're talking that. about your beloved N-Train, which goes out to Benson. I don't even know where it goes. Go just all keep, the way to Coney. Just keep going. Go to the end of the line. And it's both of these lines are going to be out of service at the same time. Now, well, I can't live. Well, let's be clear. The N-Train, a lot of stations are going to be closed. Okay, a lot of stations. Okay, but the, so, the train will be running. So I'm one of your constituents. I mean, I'm not, but I'm doing a, like a metaphor. As if you were. I, yeah, I'm mm -hmm. one of your constituents. I come to you, Councilman, what the F? Are you doing about the N and the L? Yeah. What are you doing? Well, the L doesn't touch my district, and it's not even close it's to It's a humanitarian district. crisis. So it is a humanitarian. <laughs> I guess you're right. Uh, but frankly, I, I think uh, there's got to be a, a better management approach by the MTA because, um, yes, this work needs to be done. Got to be done. As needs to be done. And we're, we're crying over the fact that, uh, the work on the on the R line hasn't been done yet, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, uh, but yet it has to be done with a smart approach. And uh, if it needs to have a shuttle system that gets people to to open train stations, then that's what we need. Um, Wait I'm, a minute, we don't I'm, have that. That's not part of it. Uh, I I understand not that on there, the end, no. there there may be some shuttles, but not every every location. Let's I mean, talk. Let's talk about the R though. What's the, what's the situation with the R? What's going on over there? And and what what would you like to see done? Well, I, I know uh, about a few weeks ago we had a rally and we asked our riders, our, our neighbors, uh, what they thought the R in R train stands for. Yeah. Um, and we came up with some great uh, responses, ridiculous, rarely, uh, ruined, the, rick rickety. There was an Amish guy in your district who thought it was rumspringa. Am I right? <laughs> yes. That's the Amish word for basically getting out there. Get, oh, get interesting. Out. <laughs> Nobody, no, no, no seriously. Thanks, rarely, thanks. I, I always said that never rarely was the NNR trains. I, right. I don't know. We right. got to do something. So your district is suffering. It, it really is because the, the R train is really for many people who live in Diker Heights or Bay Ridge particularly, um, it's, the only, it's the only way out uh, into the city if you're going to take the subway. And it used to be that Bay Ridge was close to the city and that would made Bay Ridge so attractive to young families and young professionals that come to Bay Ridge because it was very close to the city. Because of the R train problems, that no longer seems to be the case because I hear more and more of young families, young professionals saying to me that they either have to get out of Bay Ridge if things don't get better with the R train or they're not coming to Bay Ridge because of the R train. But you're a ferry guy. You support ferries. Absolutely. So do we have more ferries in the works? Uh, that's not an e efficient way to go. The subsidies on ferries yes. are huge. I'm, I'm, I'm pleased to say that uh, as part of my advocacy that the mayor has included Bay Ridge and the 69th Street Pier 
uh, as one of the new ferry stops that will begin a year from now. One year from now, we should have ferry service restored yeah. to Bay Ridge. A year from now. Councilman, pardon now. my French, but I could be dead by then. You you could be, and so... <laughs> Wait, are you, are you hoping for it? It sounded like you were optimistic there. <laughs> and so could I, but... No, this never, is, never. This is, this, is what, this is what the mayor has come up with, um, and, and it's a plan. It's going to be a five-borough plan, and I'm pleased that, based on some of the advocacy I've done and others have done, Bay Ridge has been included in that oh. five-borough plan. And so, so that's good. But where do we, as you say, it's a year from now. Yeah, year. How do we get from here to there? Well, I think uh, I got to cut my cholesterol. That's one thing. All right. You're talking about the mayor. Now, you've worked with every mayor in this city since I think Wagner, if I'm not mistaken. Let's take the measure of this guy. Now, what now, I've been in office a long time, but uh, well, I don't go with that. LaGuardia then, LaGuardia. Yeah. But anyway, the, my question is, take the measure of this mayor. You've worked with him. You've, you know him from way back when he was in the council, which was, as I said, back in the Wagner administration. What do you think of this guy? Take the measure of him, and you could be you could be honest. Yeah, no, I I know uh, I know Mayor De Blasio uh, before that. I mean, I I was he was a council member, but I knew him in the days when I was in the state senate, and he worked uh, he worked uh, in uh, the federal government. Yeah, he was also, like a young punk then. Yes, yeah. he was he was every, but he was helpful to me uh, when I first started out in the state senate, and uh, uh, we developed a friendship. And then when we were colleagues together, I would sometimes pick him up, and we'd drive into city hall together. Nice. Uh, so it it was a really good friendship. And so when he decided to run for the speaker <clears throat> speakership in in uh, two thousand six. Um, I supported him, mm. and uh, frankly, it was a very tough race. It was a very he contentious lost. race. He lost. He lost that race, uh, but I was with him to the end, and I think uh, because of that friendship that we've developed, he remembered that. So you like him? I do. I like him. Um, I think certainly things sometimes things happen in ways that you don't anticipate, and I think some of that has happened to him. Wait a minute. Wait. But that sounds like you like him, and you don't think he's doing a good job. No, 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 no. I think I I think that over the course of the next two years. You will see, um, you will see a lot of the issues on affordable housing, on homelessness, on on uh, education. All those things will come into focus over the next two years. Because Are you saying th- he was out of focus? No, no. I think <laughs> I think he he's laid the groundwork. Don't yeah. forget, you know, we've had twenty years of Republican rule, so this is the first Democratic mayor we've had in over twenty years. I know it's like I'm out of practice. It's gonna take some time. Yeah, right? it's like it's I'm used to criticizing time. the mayor as a exactly. knee jerk reaction. Now I'm criticizing the mayor as an intelligent reaction. Exactly. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, so where were you on the horse band though? Because he spent a lot of that first year on the horse, and now we got a compromise. The horses are going to be in Central Park, where they belong. What do you think of that compromise? Yes, I, I've I've said this for a long time that 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 we should, if we're going to do anything to change the horse carriage um, uh, industry, we should uh, have the horses um, in Central Park, limited to Central Park, there you and go. have stables that's, that's in Central reasonable. Park. At first, it was said it couldn't be done. It couldn't Ugh. be done because the conservancy in certain Central Park would not allow the stables to be built. Well, you know what? Lo and behold, a year and a half later, the stables are going to be built in Central Park. The horses are going to be there. It's going to be a uh, win-win, I think, for everybody. Uh, and the industry and the union is on board. And I don't know the details of it yet. It still needs to be worked out. But I'm hopeful that we can get to a resolution very soon. So, so it sounds like you're not a naysayer on that deal. Ah, uh-huh. No, but seriously, because I love that deal. And I thought that was the deal they yes. should have had right off the bat. Right off no. the bat, yes. 
All right, I got to ask you the toughest question anybody's ever asked you. Oh, here we go. You have been on the council since March 18th, 2003. Why? Wow, you, you even got it down to the date. That's right. <laughs> and you are going to be on the council until January 1st, 2018. How can you be on the council for 15 plus years to have term limits? <laughs> Explain to our listeners how it happened. I know you got in on a special. That's but then, But then you won a re-election four times. Uh, how yes. is it possible? <laughs> Tell me how it how it's imp- just All right, logistically. I'll explain. I'll explain. It's, 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 when you look at it, it, it comes out and works the way it does. Uh, I ran in 2003 in a special election mm-hmm. and won that special election. Congratulations. And then, and then stood for re-election again that November. I won in February, and then I stood for re-election again that November. And I won that race in November of 2003. But that was only a two-year term. Uh. Because of the uh, of the reapportionment, uh-huh. it was only a two year term, and term limits were not in place yet. Uh, and uh, no, and term mm-hmm. limits uh, term limits uh, were were in, were in place. Were in place. Yeah. Yes, oh, were in they place. were in place. Yeah. Yes, Here we go. Keep going. However, because it was a two year term, not a four year term, it didn't count toward uh-huh. the term. The term uh-huh. limits are for a full term, and a full term is four years. And so you got your first full term in two thousand and five. Five, correct. And that went to two thousand nine. Not reelected. Right. Right. And now you got reelected again. Right. Well, when um, uh, when our previous mayor uh, Bloomberg uh, decided that the city needed him for another term, um, and decided on on a whim to change the law, mm-hmm. um, and I opposed him on this. I said, if we're going to change it, we have to do it by public referendum. Mm-hmm. I lost that argument in the city council, but uh, as a result, he extended uh, his term to three, and then anybody in office at that point also had an opportunity to have three terms. So that's how I was able to run in 2013. So you opposed it, but then you didn't I walk away. It, yes, yeah. It's a lose-win. We call that a lose-win. <laughs> well, it, it's, it, what happened is that I opposed the way I, I, um, I supported the fact that we should have at least three terms. I opposed the way it was being yeah, done yeah. by legislative fiat. I wanted it to be done by public referendum. I lost that argument. I lost that fight. They, the rules got changed. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then if all the other districts have the opportunity to have a senior member in the council, I thought my district should have at least that opportunity to have a senior member and, in the council. As it turns out, I happen to be the most senior member now in the city council. And it's important to point out, it's important, these are all Democratic elections. It's not like you're running a coup over there. I mean, you were reelected. Absolutely. You stood and for election. Stood for election. And unlike some other districts, I have a Republican opponent, Republican mm-hmm. conservative opponent who uh, is fully funded yeah. and, and runs guys, that's hard the, races. That's the gang that can't shoot straight. Come on. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, look, you've run good races, but those guys, they're not there. You've had some pretty inept competition. Well, I, I, you know, and I, I'm looking at you, I, Carlos Cesora. Yeah, I am. am now, now, Carlos, Carlos done very well for himself. He's, he's a good guy. I like Carlos I'm done sure. very, very well for no, himself. I just, I'm all. trying to be provocative to get him to call in. And you know, well, our number is seven one eight two six zero four five zero two. We're taking your calls. We're all very proud of Carlos Cesora, and he also was a former staff member yeah, good, of mine. Good guy. Yeah, good guy. He didn't. He didn't run against. I, you, you never ran against Carlo. He, he worked. He worked with Carlo. Oh no, Carlo was in the uh, special election in the in the nonpartisan election uh, in two thousand and three. Oh, that's right. So you yeah. did run against yes, him at one yes. point. All right, mm-hmm. we got to get out. But this is a, a a special kind of privilege we extend to people who come into the studio, and this is we call this open mic time. Yeah. Councilman, you work on a lot of issues. I know libraries are particularly uh, in your heart. They're not really in mine, so let's skip that. But (laughs) what other issues are you working on right now 
that you want to, with your open mic, say to the public, listen, public, this is what I'm working on, and here's why I'm working on it. What's what's in your gut right now? Two big issues. Two big issues. First, the illegal subdivision of uh, homes in our neighborhoods that are changing the quality of life. I'd and, like to point out we've written about that a lot. You have. You yes. have. Yes. And very well, by the way. Oh, well, Max, now, uh, now it's a mutual admiration well, society. Yeah. Max Yeager did a great job on this. Oh, well, we'll it. get him yeah, in here. So. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's a good issue, though. So well, before you go to the second issue, what can you do about that? Well, I have legislation in now that would, for example, along with the borough president, that would uh, create a new offense of aggravated illegal conversions. And it would, wow. if, if, uh, if someone were found to, to be violating it, and they would be uh, fined $15,000 per unit wow. in that building. Aggravated. Wow. Aggravated uh, illegal conversions. It can't just and be illegal conversions. It's got to be aggravated. Aggravated illegal conversions to, to have the $15,000 fine. And we'd use some of that money, hopefully, to... to build a way to uh, relocate those people who get vacated from that building. That's so that's good. one that's issue one. we're working on. I like that. Yeah. <clears throat> so that that is uh, certain. The other issue is uh, regulating and bringing under the Smoke-Free Air Act, uh, passed in 2002, to bring under that Smoke-Free Air Act uh, the hookah smoke that's oh. happening oh, all around this community. Uh, all around the, the city, uh, but particularly a lot in my community, too. And it's it's not regulated at this point. People are smoking indoors, and it, there is no age minimum. So I, a 13 14-year-old could go in and smoke hookah. And the research shows that even if tobacco is not in the hookah, and many times it is, which is illegal to do indoor, sure. indoors, but even if the tobacco is not in the hookah, it is still a dangerous carcinogen that comes out of that hookah pipe. But so, so what is is there, is there a religious issue, like freedom of religion? No, it's it's a health issue. So. No, it's no, but why issue. why has it been exempted? Yeah, why is it why is it not? Well, no. I, I think when we passed the uh, Smoke Free Air Act in 2002, it wasn't a it wasn't an issue to deal with because there really wasn't uh, you, you didn't see a lot of hookah uh, use. But now, how many you got a lot of those in Bay Ridge? We have a lot of hookah bars in Bay Ridge. Yes, they do, mm-hmm. and it's been it's been people who traditionally smoke hookah. Those are the uh, uh, Middle Eastern community. The, the families have come to me and said, my child at night is going, he's 14 years old, he's going to smoke hookah. You got to do something. You got to stop well, it. Because, but and st- then I, I looked into it and I, and I researched it and I realized that uh, from the research you could see that the, the very smoking of the, of the hookah smoke, whether it has tobacco or not, produces uh, carcinogens like benzene and other uh, tars that are from the charcoal that's in the pipe. Uh, what are you talking about? Are we talking about reefers? Are they smoking pot in these places? Well, uh, all I could tell you is that uh, last year in Queens, uh, they did a, the health department did a testing of 13 hookah bars to see if there were tobacco in any of the hookah pipes. And, in, and I, I think it was 13 out of 13 were, fi- were found to violate the Smoke-Free Air Act because the tobacco was found in every single one of them. But I'm, but I'm talking about wacky tobacco. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I can't speak to that point, but I can speak to the point of how dangerous um, hookah smoke, even shisha, non-tobacco shisha, when it is heated and smoked, is dangerous to the lungs, it's dangerous to your health. And that has not been recognized 
in our law, and it should be because we have 13 and 14-year-olds that are going into these places and smoking these things thinking that it's safer than smoking cigarettes. It is not. Yeah. You know, I feel the same way about the, the vaping. You know about this vaping? No, I feel the same way about you, you sitting next to you when you've eaten too much cauliflower, if you know what I mean. Look, we <laughs> got to get out. Councilman. I'm sorry. But, Councilman, we got to pay some bills here. We got to get them out of here. Yeah. Councilman Vince Gentile, I got to say. Vincent. I, Wait, let's settle this once and for all. Got to settle it. I have always called you, Councilman Vince Gentile. Vinny is fine. Vinny, 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 but because Vince over here always calls you Vincent, (laughs) which I always thought was too formal for a man of your of your kind of joviality. I I still don't think uh, Vince is is what you go by. You you don't go by. Nobody calls you Vince, right? Uh, A few people do, but Vinny is more often. Vinny. So we're gonna go with Vinny. That's it. All right. Well, I gotta get him out of here. Vince, you're gonna read your ad because you gotta pay some bills. We have a new sponsor. But first, I want to say thank you to Councilman Vinny Gentile. Thank you so much. We gotta get him out of here. You read your ad. All right, please. We're walking out. Good to see you guys. Can I get a little music? Oh, man. You know what that? I love that sound. I love it. You know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of my last trip to the dentist. And I want to know, are you looking for a dentist who provides quality care at an affordable price? I always am. You see the bill I got the other day? Then look no further, Gersh, than Dr. Joseph Lichter. I'm not looking at Azrak, I'll tell you that much. The dentists and skilled hygienists at Dr. Lichter's state-of-the-art office use the most up-to-date technology and techniques to provide you the best experience possible. I like this piano jazz. It's like from Ben Sounds. Ben Sounds, yeah. That's our good friends. Keep going. Dr. Lichter and his staff perform traditional dental procedures such as teeth cleaning, fillings, root canal therapy, and tooth extractions. But in addition... They offer the latest in restorative and cosmetic dentistry, including implants, porcelain veneers, and crowns, fixed bridges, and more. Procedures that can make a broken smile look like new. The office also offers Invisalign. You know about Invisalign, Gersh? I do. Yeah, it's an alternative to metal braces that uses virtually invisible plastic aligners that shift teeth into place over a period of time. Isn't it time you visit a high-quality, state-of-the-art dentist who keeps dentistry affordable so everyone can benefit? I think so. If you do, too, call Dr. Lichter's office today at 718-339-7878 to set up an appointment that can improve your quality of life. Well, i got to tell you something. My quality of life has been enhanced just by that ad no, it needs to be and that Ben Sounds music. Yeah. You know, Doctor, you know where he's located? I don't. No, he's located at 1420 Avenue P, between East 14th and East 15th Streets in Midwood. And you can visit his website at josephlichterdds.com. How are you spelling Lichter? It's J-O-S-E-P-H-L-I-C-H-T-E-R-D-D-S.com. And when you go there, Gersh, you know, you can fill out an online smile analysis and get a personal response from the office. I love it. I, you know, and I have an UP. It's like Avenue Periodontal. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's what it stands for. All right, guys, listen. Thank I was going to reach out. We got a couple of other guests today. We got the guy from Sweet and Low. But first, I want to I want to bring in some of the reporters here at the Brooklyn Paper who are oh, doing the Lord's work. And I'm an atheist. The morning papers. So let's do the morning paper segment there, Jimmy. Great. <laughs> Great. It's. I love that song. That's uh, our friend's... Uh, Jimmy and the Revolvers. Jimmy and the Revolvers. With the morning paper segment. Look, we had a bunch of stories this week. Vince, I don't know if you saw this. A guy today drove his car into the Gowanus Canal. Of course I saw it. You edited it. I'm the editor. So I saw this story come across the wire, meaning the Brooklyn paper wire. 
And I said, wait a minute. We just interviewed Chris Swain the other day, the guy who swam the Gowanus. Yeah, well, he survived. So what, what happened to this car? Well, this guy went into the drink and he got arrested. Uh-huh. But I wanted to find out well, what was it like to swim in the Gowanus without protective gear, without Vaseline, without goggles. Without peroxide to so clean I'm out gonna, your mouth. I'm going to reach out to Colin Mixon. Get him in here for the In the Paper segment. Who are we bringing in? Mixon? Mixon. I love that kid. He's a good kid. He's great. Hello, it's Colin. Colin Mixon, come on in here. Oh, all right. I hung up on him. That's as, as well you should. All right. Anyway, Mixon did the story about this kid. Come on in here, Mixon. Mixon, come on there in he here. There he is. Colin Mixon, everybody. He is really evolving as a go-to guy for the radio. And you know why? Because he likes he likes a little of the needle. So here we go, a little of the needle. Colin, right. tell us a little bit about that story. Why did the car go into the drink in the Gowanus today? Uh, well, he was fleeing from another car accident. Oh. That, uh, but wait, so he went he down committed. a dead-end street? That's a bad way to flee. Yeah, he definitely... He definitely, what uh, street did he go down? Out. He yeah. went down to Graw. So he was heading down. He was heading south on Court Street, like he was going to Sunset Park. Uh-huh. And uh, he he ran into a Camry, and and injured a woman's foot. Ouch! Hmm. And she was with a one year old daughter, uh, okay. or a one year old girl, and she was taken to Lutheran as a precaution just to make sure she was okay. But so, anyways, he didn't stop. He didn't own up to it. Uh, at least that's what the cops say. And so he took a left onto DeGraw. And went four blocks right into the canal. And he doesn't even know because he's not from around here. He doesn't even know he's going to run into the end of the grind. He's just going over the edge. Where were his plates from? Where was he from? I don't know. Wait, so he really he went right over the edge. He was in the canal. Okay, but I'm looking at the picture right now, Gersh. There is a car in the canal. Okay, but my question is this. It's on brooklynpaper.com right now. Okay, Colin. Yeah. My question is this. Yeah. There's a sign at the end of that. It says end. Yeah. So he just said, "I'm I'm jumping it." What what was he thinking? It's very. I I don't know. It's very Dukes of Hazard. I don't know if he thought he had the velocity to clear it. I don't know if he was, you know. You think he might have been wasted? May, uh, I have no idea. Uh, no, it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough to speculate yeah. on Colin, something. Colin, like I know that. you're angry, but don't bang the table because everybody from here to Bensoners can hear you banging the oh, table. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, what happened to the guy? Uh, well, so he was in the canal. He was the water was it was low tide at the time, so he hit the guardrail. It kind of arrested his descent a bit. And he was—he didn't go far enough into the canal to be completely submerged. Yeah, his legs were in the water. And it was low tide. Uh, I'm sure that he got a little <laughs> wet. Tide. Um, and uh, so he was able to crawl out through a window and get on top of the car. And then some teamsters who were working on the show, The Americans, that FX show about the Russian spies. What are they doing there? Yeah, they're, 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 they're shooting over there. And so they saw him. Wait, the Guanas Canal has become like... Uh, a scenic venue? It's like a back lot, Gersh. Oh, my God. And so they saw him. They pulled him, him out. And uh, he was he got on top of the roof by himself, and then they pulled him out of the canal. And then according to one of the Teamsters I spoke to, they kind of gave him a checkup at the ambulance and then slapped him in cuffs and uh, threw him in a squad car. All right, so we're going to wow. do a jailhouse tomorrow. We're going to go to the – where is he? Is at Rikers? He, where is he, he was at the 7-6. Oh, and why are you not at the 7-6? That's my question to a young scribe. Uh... It's a tough one. Well, yeah. I don't hear. A, I hear a lot of humming, yeah. a humming, a humming. What? Right. Why are you not at the Seven Six Precinct on Union Street in Carroll Gardens? Well, it's, I mean, I could. I, I'm happy. Yeah, to go I down think there. you're going to go. get out of here before you go. Though we got to talk Let's about go. the other. He worked on another. He's a good young reporter. No, he's a great reporter. But he needs guidance. Somebody should have sent him the Seven Six. Anyway, more important, you you worked yeah. on an even better story, and this was not breaking news, but this no. story about solar power in historic brownstone units. Now, Vince. First, give us the background, because you told me about this earlier. I did. I, I did tell you about it earlier. No, this is a story that we've been after for a long time, because I've known for many years that, that solar panels in historic neighborhoods are going to be an issue, because historic neighborhoods are supposed to look like 
Old school neighborhoods. Guess what they didn't have in old school neighborhoods? Guess what they didn't have in the 1800s? Well, they actually had solar power. They just didn't have solar power panels. They certainly didn't have the panels. And I saw a bunch of panels go up on a house about five years ago in Cobble Hill. And uh, I, I immediately sent reporters out there to say, hey, what's going to happen when people in the historic neighborhoods yeah. try to put something like this up? This particular house was not in a historic neighborhood, so it didn't have any issues. And, and but you should see this thing. It looks like it's got a toupee on top of it. And people who own brownstones in historic neighborhoods, i got to say, I'm not trying to, trying to gentrify this issue, but these are the kind of people, again, I'm not trying to be sexist or racist or homeownerist, but these are the kind of people who are going to want solar power. They certainly are going to want So what's going to happen? Colin, you worked on the story. What's going to happen? There was a house this week that got permission. Right, and so it becomes an issue when you can actually see the solar panels. Of course. Um, If they were just to lie them flat on the roof without any kind of support holding them up. Yeah, but don't solar panels issue. need to be on some form of angle for them of to actually Of course, get, the you know, sun the sun is not shining dead on. We're not on the freaking equator. Yeah. Colin, uh they can be. In some circumstances they can be lied more. Uh, uh, yeah, more but they're they're flat. probably not doing the kind of job they would do if they shadows. were on angle. Do you know anything right. about shadows and substance? I I understand the concept of Okay, shadows, so yes. so if it's on an angle it can be seen from the street, it's not going to wash. Well, the 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 thing that was going on with this particular issue over on Warren Street was Warren. that uh, there's only so much real estate on a roof uh, in these row houses. They're, yeah. The roofs aren't very large. Yeah. They, there's also mechanisms up there. They have a lot of skylights. And the firefighters need to be able to move back and forth oh, yeah. and yeah, get yeah, around on top of the buildings. And so what they had to do was they had to essentially put this up, uh, the solar panels up on stilts and what they called a canopy configuration, which actually raises the solar panels uh, nine feet off of... Uh, the roof. So can I see it from the street? You can see this one a little bit from the street. In a historic mm. district? In a historic district. How did they pull this off? Who's their lawyer? Uh, they didn't have a lawyer for this. They The contractors gave a presentation. Wow. It was Brooklyn Solar Works. They gave a presentation. In BSW. Front the, uh, uh, in front of the uh, Landmarks, Community Board 6's Landmarks whoa, whoa, Committee. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I've been covering Community Board 6 since you were in diapers. Okay. You're telling me Community Board 6 countenanced a visible solar panel, a VSP, it did. At, at a hearing of the Landmarks Committee. They voted in favor of that? They Well, no, in, in that leading up to the Landmarks Committee, the full board voted in favor of but the committee, the Landmarks Committee itself, voted it down yeah. by one vote. It was seven to six. Wow. So, so, but it, it passed to, the committee. When it, it, came, no, pa- it didn't pass yeah. the committee. So what happens is the Went committee— Went to the board. The board passed it. The committee, based on the committee's vote, there was a hearing to disapprove uh, uh. the application— and then the full board meeting, which happened a week or two after that, uh, voted uh, not to All disapprove. Right. And then All they passed right. another motion. The point, to listen, the point is, it. the yeah. point is, my instincts were correct. Always. And right I asked, for, yeah, I yeah. asked for this story four years ago. Yeah, I'm talking to you, Eli Rosenberg. Oh, Eli, if you can hear the sound of our voice, seven one eight two six zero four five zero two, because you screwed the pooch on that story. Yeah, I know. I wanted the story. They looked at me like I had ten heads. No, I no, no. I looked at you like you had the smartest head in the room. You were Alexander yeah, Hamilton I when you came up with that, that story. There's a million things you haven't done, and that was one of them that Eli Rosenberg didn't do. We got to get out though, yeah. Colin. Okay. What are the ramifications of this? Because now I can have a visible solar panel in a historic district. In Community Board 6, which spans yeah. all the way from the Buttermilk Channel all the way to Park Slope. Yeah. That's a big deal. And, and where does it end? Uh, well, so that's what the Community Board is actually trying to find out. They want they, This is the first issue of this kind that they've ever had to vote on or really had to consider. And so in their letter of recommendation that Stop they're sending to the, the... table. Excuse me. To, that they're sending to the <laughs> Landmarks Commission. Uh, they're, asking, they're also asking the Landmarks Commission to, to give them guidelines 
to help them decide on future issues as a matter of policy. Here's the guideline. Here's the guideline. We need electricity. It comes from the sun for free. We got to do it. Yeah. And How about that guideline? And like, it seems like, like the community guideline. board is willing to grant, uh, you know, yeah. s- a special favor to folks doing solar panels my, than they would somebody who's putting no, next thing, any next other thing kind you know, of there's going to be air conditioners in everybody's window. No, and the, and next thing you know, there's <laughs> going to be big windmills on top. But I go yeah. back to the Dutch. <laughs> the Dutch had the. F- if you want to make a historic district in New York, it should be filled with windmills. I agree. Okay. Okay. All right, get out of here. All right. Great job. Mixon, get to the 7-6 precinct and find out about that guy in the Gowanus. Okay. All right, we got to get out. We got one more in the... Can we get an In the Paper song one more time? Because I got another one. I love that song. I read the morning paper. That's right, our friends. Jimmy and the Revolvers from England. We got one more segment. I'm going to call out to Lauren Gill get her in here. Ah, Gilly. Gill's a youngster. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Not great on the radio. She's doing good. Hey. Hey, Lauren Gill, come on in here. we got a big story to talk to you about. Get in here. All right, see right in. Did that hang up? I hope so. Don't mess so. with that. I That's don't know. We get the so Lauren Gill worked on a story this week about a proposed building that, if I'm not mistaken, come on in here, Gill. Have oh, a seat. Here she is. I was just introducing you, saying you worked on a story this week about a proposed building that, if I'm not mistaken, if you're not mistaken, might live up to my dreams it is your dream. of the first 150-story building in Brooklyn. Am I right, Lauren? Uh, it'll be 73 stories tall. Oh, that's oh, nothing. That 73. Half, half so what's right. the controversy? First of all, where would it be? It would be uh, downtown on Flatbush Avenue Extension and Fleet Street. That's I'm, glad she pointed, I'm glad she pointed out Extension. Yeah, perfect place for it, though. Mm-hmm. Fleet Street and Flatbush Avenue Extension is right there in the heart of downtown Brooklyn, which is America's downtown. America's downtown. So 73 stories would be what? The tallest building in Brooklyn or not? Yes, it would be 1,066 feet. Whoa, wow. whoa, whoa, whoa. That, that's a super tall. Yeah, so the stories would uh, be higher than the standard. Uh, wow, story, so you can have nice lofty, loft. What, how many floors? So that's 76 floors and 1,000 feet. Is that condos or rentals? Uh, they haven't released information on that yet. Who's the they? First of all, come on, Lauren. <laughs> Who's the they in this one? Who's building this building? All right, it's Shop Architects. Well, they're the architect. Who's the developer? It is JDS. Oh, JDS. JDS. That's right. The chart is that the Chertef group also. Chertef. Yeah, there's yeah. two of them. So those guys, those guys have built a lot of stuff in Brooklyn. Are they? Are they going to actually? Do they have the what we call the juice? Do they have the the cojones? Do they have the the <laughs> the, the, the the wrecking crew to actually build this building? Uh, I think so. I mean, they're brought in t- uh, to design. Or no, sorry, I'm talking about the architects. The they're architects great. actually. Um, Designed the Barclay Center. Yeah, you tried to change um, the subject. There. I'm talking about the developer. They have the nuts. Stay on the, topic, Gilly. Stay the, on the topic. balls. They have the balls to build this building. Why wouldn't they? Well, for thousand-story building, how much money that costs? <laughs> what Brooklyn developer has the has the access to that kind of capital unless uh, he's got a pipeline to China? I mean. They haven't really released any information on. Have you asked that question? Have you asked that question? Developers are very hard to get in touch with. Tight lips. They are. You ever stand in? You ever stand in front of a developer's office all day in the cold? I've done it. Oh yeah. Did that work out? No, it didn't. They brushed right past me, but I had the guts to go home that night and say to my daughter, who's struggling, who's struggling every day to to think about her dad as maybe a hero, and I said to her, you know what I did all day? I tried to get the bastards, and she said, did you get them, daddy? And I said, no. I'll get them tomorrow. Lauren, do you ever face that kind of fear? Anxiety? All the time. There you go, baby. There you go. All right, good answer. Now, you've seen the designer, at least the, the Yimby. Ha- it was Yimby that put up the picture, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's a website called Yes in I, My Backyard. I love that website. He is second only to Gersh Kuntzman in being a pro-development force. So the, what did the design look like? Can you paint the word picture for our viewers? Um, it's super skinny. It's like a needle. It'll 
you know, glass, like a hipster, a glass needle, basically. Does it have a beard? Does it have a beard and glasses? (laughs) Did they name this building? What's the name of this building? Oh, they haven't named it. Oh, there we go. We got our first contest. (laughs) Jimmy, can we get some contest music? If you can hear the sound of my voice, 718-260-4502. We are going to have a name the building contest. All right. Name Brooklyn's biggest building. I'm going first. You ready for this? Go. The oligarch's erection. There it is. I said it. I said it. The oligarch's erection. Because no. you know the builders of this building. The only people who are going to buy apartments in that building are Russian oligarchs trying to hide their money. Am I right, Lauren? We'll have to see. It's 57th <laughs> Street comes to Brooklyn. Let's remember, Lauren Gill tomorrow is going to be on. You're going to be on CUNY? When is that? When, uh, not no, CUNY. It's on, on Wednesday. Uh, B-Cat? B-Cat? Uh, Brick. 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 So yeah. go with the oligarch's erection. You can steal that. That's yours. All right. Thank All you. All right. So Lauren Gill, great job on this story. Got to get out because we got another to- story to talk about. Let's right. play yes. the morning yes. papers music there, Jimmy. Yeah. You got it, Jimmy? That was it. Thanks, Are Lauren. Thanks, Lauren. Yeah, Lauren, you've done it again. <laughs> listen, Jimmy, I got to pay some bills here. So listen, I got to ask my friend uh, Vince here. Vince. Yes. Has low pack pain. Oh, nice. Wait, can you just bring it down a notch? Bring it down a notch. Because I'm getting in that low, dulcet tone. Wait a second. This is, wait, is this, a, is this a dentist music? No, no, no. This is uh, Ben Sounds, piano jazz. Oh, I love that guy. So listen, Vince, has low back pain kept you on the sidelines of life, unable to enjoy the things that make you active and happy? You have no idea, Gersh. Well, let me tell you. Non-surgical spinal decompression at Brooklyn Spine Center can get you back in the game. And when I say game, you know I'm th- you know the game I'm playing. You gotta play that game. Spinal decompression is proven effective in relieving the pain associated with bulging and herniated discs, degenerative disc disease, which is what I have, sciatica, which my, my brother had. I remember that, yeah. Even failed back surgery. Now they got a machine, it's called the DRX-9000. It's a spinal decompression device that applies a distraction force to relieve nerve compression. And that's the stuff that causes the low back pain and sciatica. So this force or pumping action allows the body's own nutrients to flow back into the affected disc and help revitalize that injury. You want to find out more, Vince? I would love to. Because I'm making a compelling case. Without question. You want to contact Brooklyn Spine Center at 718-234-6207. I'm going to give you that number again. You'll schedule an initial consultation with Dr. Melinda Keller. She's amazing. Mm. To determine if you're even a candidate for that DRX 9000. That number again, 718 234 6207. Now, you could visit the website at brooklynspinecenter.com or you could just go there, although I, sh- I wouldn't go without an appointment, but the address is 5911 16th Avenue in Brooklyn. As I said, Brooklyn Spine Center, a loyal supporter of Brooklyn Paper Radio for six months. Without question. All right. So, so listen. Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks for the music. All right. Well, that was a little abrupt. Jimmy, there's a little fade button on there. Work on that fade. All right. We have got a big story, and I got to call out because I told the guy I'd call him now. Yeah, no, now's the time. Misha Gauss is a guy who's been fighting the good fight. What fight is that, Vince? He's fighting the fight against the loss of jobs in Brooklyn. Well, that's always a good fight. but We want jobs in Brooklyn. Yeah, but in this case, I'm going to ask him the tough questions because he's trying to prevent jobs at the Sweet and Low factory from going to other, other companies around this country. This is not overseas jobs. Those jobs are staying in this country. They are staying here. Let's go out and reach out to them. Brooklyn. I'm going to give him a call. Let's do that. Oh, man. Get Misha on the air. Let's get Misha on the phone. He's expecting the call. Uh-oh. Oh, that doesn't I sound like good. that. Misha Gauss. I always get nervous when they... When Hello, it's Misha. Oh, there he is. Hey, Misha, it's Gersh Kunstman and Vince DiMaselli from the Brooklyn Paper Radio. How are you? 
Doing great. How are you guys? It's great to hear the sound of your voice. Just so we introduce you to our listeners, Misha is the political director of the UFCW local here in Brooklyn. By the way, what is UFCW? United Food and Commercial Workers. And it's not actually just in Brooklyn. You know, we have uh, sister locals that represent folks all throughout Brooklyn. We just happen to have an office in Bay Ridge. Oh, okay. You're the political director of the local, though, right? That's right. All right. So anyway, Misha, as we were telling our listeners, you are fighting what we're going to call, at least temporarily, the good fight to save jobs at the Cumberland Packing. Now, when you say Cumberland Packing, people look at you like, Cumberland Packing, who cares? What the hell is that? They make sweet and low. Sweet and And low. And sugar in the raw. Sugar in the raw. Yes. Butter buds, if I'm not mistaken. Really? That too? (laughs) They make butter buds, am I right? Hmm. That's right. Okay. So, Misha, what's happening there? Why are they going to close a factory that's been next to the Brooklyn Navy Yard for 70 years, I want to say? Well, in and around, they have actually several uh, several uh, facilities inside the Navy Yard and then uh, several outside. So they're on both sides of Flushing Avenue here in Brooklyn. So what are the, why? So the, reason the, uh, the reason why the company said they want to do this is because they simply want to make more money. They're not losing money. They're not bankrupt. They're not selling the brand. They simply want to take these folks' jobs away and move it somewhere else. Now, how so many jobs are we talking about? Leader bucks. How many jobs are we talking about? 320. Well, there's 320 jobs. It doesn't seem like that big a building. How big is that building? they got 320 people in there? Yeah, but that's, it's spread out across the different facilities, both inside and outside the Navy Yard, which is why it's... Ah, okay. i got to confess something, Misha, and this is nothing against your workers, but I always just thought there were Oompa Loompas in there. Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? <laughs> so they're actual live men and women. Yeah. Probably working two shifts, right? Uh, yes, 24 operations. 24, yeah. three wow. shifts, three shifts. That's why there's so many people. Eight, 24 divided by, th- by eight is three. And you say the companies come to you. By the way, just Vince, just so you know, I did call the company today and on Friday. They won't. They didn't want to come on the show. No. Okay. So That's too bad. they've said to you, hey, Misha, it's not, it's not, we're not in trouble. We're doing fine. We just want to move the jobs elsewhere. That's right. That's right. It's American capitalism that's fine. But they're not going overseas, though. They're going to be in the United States. So how much money could they actually be saving? Well, it's a, it's a matter of automation. You know, this is a labor-intensive process that they have set up in these facilities, and they've failed to reinvest back in the plant, the physical plant that they have here mm-hmm. in Brooklyn. So, you know, as time went on, it got more and more obsolete. But rather than bringing in, you know, more modern, up, up-to-date uh, machinery, they chose just to, I, I guess, uh, hide that money who knows where. i got to say, I'm hearing this story from Misha, and I'm, I'm off sweet and low. I'm going to Splenda. Because I used to always use sweet and low. Well, you know what? Our folks are still employed there every day, you know, uh, you know, trying to make an honest living. So we're not asking for anyone to stop using sweet and low or sugar in the raw at this point. Um, you know, we'd love to see our folks continue to, to have jobs for as long as we can. And that's, that's our goal here, to, to fight to make sure that they're taken care of. So, so is, this just a, is this a real estate thing? Is this the, the value of the land has just gone up so much that it, it just makes you know, sense for I would, it, I'm not a betting man, but if I, <laughs> but if I wanted to, I, I would look around the neighborhood. You know, Fort Greene is blowing up. You know, Brooklyn as a whole, obviously, blowing up. And they're sitting on some real estate over oh. here, you know, next to Dumbo, you know, sandwiched in between Dumbo and Fort Greene. It's, it's on um, every bike yeah. path. It's on every bus lane. It's it's yeah, just so our listeners know, it's F- Flushing Avenue and Cumberland, which is like just two blocks. We, we call that wallabout now. Wallabout. It's yeah. blowing up. You can put, if I'm not mistaken, the zoning, you could put a 20-story building there. You know, that's a good question, something we're looking into right now. But, yeah, we're, we're adamant that, you know, there's this, we shouldn't take jobs away from black and Latino working class families and, you know, give that land over to real estate developers to build yet another condominium tower. You know, you we're, just, we're wholly opposed to that. You went with the black jobs matter thing. Well, that's, these are these, that's, that's the workforce. These folks are trying to, like I said, make an honest living. You know, they have been, some folks have been there for 
40 years. Yeah, yeah. You know, they put their whole life into this job. And this is the kind of thanks they get at the end of the day. I got to tell you, when I used to go overseas, I go around the country, people offer me, oh, would you like sugar with your coffee? It's like, no, give me a sweet and low because I'm from Brooklyn, baby. And so yeah, now yeah. I don't want to do it. And Chuck Schumer is the same way, right? You know, he's on <laughs> Meet the Press, you know, <laughs> Holding up the little, the little the packets. Package. You know, yeah. this has been associated with Brooklyn for as, as, as from time immemorial, since World War II, right? But uh, you know, apparently they just they think that they can get away with Brooklyn as a brand. They they're going to continue to have a couple token white collar jobs here, executive suite, C suite, all that stuff. But you know, all the blue collar work gets shipped to who knows where. Well, that well, who does know where? Because I asked my reporter about that, and she didn't know where are these jobs going. The company's not being clear about that yet. Um, but you know, oh, we, we got to find that the Midwest, out. They say their suppliers are out there, so you know we're we're still tracking it down. But you know they have no obligation really to uh, to be honest with us. Well, here's the thing, though, Misha. You, look, you know, real estate or whatever, this company, you know, they have no real loyalty to Brooklyn. I mean, they don't have to be in Brooklyn. They want to have Brooklyn on the back of the package because you know Brooklyn is the brand. But, yeah, but know, nobody I, buys sweet. It's no. fundamentally hollow, right? If the, if the people who who actually built that brand you now are, are now out in the street. Yeah, but it's not like it's not like a hipster pickle or a Brooklyn Nets T-shirt. I mean, you know what I mean? It's, nobody buys sweet <laughs> I and low. Mean, sugar in the raw is yeah, still got. Uh, sugar in the raw's got cachet. Yeah, that's sugar in the raw. I like I like sugar in the raw. So these guys that that work there, they live in Brooklyn. Your your employees. Uh, yeah, two thirds of the folks are in Brooklyn, and just about the other thirds in Queens. You know, people bike to work. You know, you got people who live uh, blocks away. Um, you know, in the housing developments, um, it's, it's, yeah. it's this is a local workforce. It has been for a long time. And and this is you know this is um, this is uh, the, it's something. Yeah, no, it's uh, <laughs> what, are you, what are you trying to get out there? I completely lost. All right, I'll tell you what. Thought. Let me ask you, Misha, did you ever read that book by Rich Cohen? He did the family story of Sweet and Low. Yes, it was yeah, called. I, I flipped through it once. No, it's a real good book. And the funny thing about that is the Cumberland Packing basically invented fake sugar. Like they invented this entire <laughs> yeah, industry. They have made millions at that location. They haven't moved. And so it's like, that's the thing that sticks in my craw. It's a Brooklyn company. And, you know, they've said all along that they love being a Brooklyn company, that they're happy to, to be here, to provide jobs to the local workforce and all that. But, you know, I think this is, this is a hypocrisy, you know, at the root of it, right? After doing that for 70 years, you know, they, uh, they decide, you know, we're sick of it. Yeah, the, or maybe they want to cash out and, and uh, you know, cash in. Yeah, the point the point I was going to make before is like Brooklyn. You know, the economy in Brooklyn is booming, and there's lots of all these dot coms and all this other stuff that that's here. But but this is like you said, this is working class people work. You know, putting sugar into packets and like those type of jobs don't exist anymore in Brooklyn, and you know, or, or at least they're going away. I mean, well, but you know, the other. But well, me- I, mean, I, I don't think there's anything inevitable about it. It's a it's a product of how we treat land use in the city, right? If we zone things correctly and we provide the proper incentives and, they, and the company does its part to modernize, make sure the workforce is trained and up-to-date and they're bringing in the right machinery, there's nothing inevitable. This is a series of political choices that were made to get to this point. Well, hold on. The, the land hasn't been rezoned yet. A well, company – but the company – company, say, say they were losing money. They could do whatever they want to do. I mean there's no government in the world that's going to say to Cumberland Packing, no, you can't, you can't move. You've got to stay in Brooklyn. No, no, absolutely not. But what I'm saying is they could have made the choices along the way to uh, to reinvest in the, the physical plant, the mm-hmm. machinery, so that it's updated, so they can compete with, you know, Singapore and, and Splenda. and all the others. Splenda and that Stevia crap. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you well, know, when I say Stevia, I mean that's like total crap. Equal. <laughs> Equal's the worst. Oh, man. Coming up next, we're going to have Equal on. No, 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 we're not going to do that. <laughs> Misha, we got to get out, but you sound like a good guy, but here's the thing. 
Brooklyn is always changing. And gentrification, whether we like it or not, seems to be a fact of life here. And you're you're in you're with food workers, you know, food working food jobs manufacturing food jobs in Brooklyn is actually on the rise, isn't it? That's what all the stats say, absolutely. So so maybe this is just part of a trend and the overall trend is pretty good for your workers. Well, I'm I'm not so sure about that. I mean, okay. these folks, for a lot of them, um, you know, English English language proficiency is an issue. Um, you know, they mm. again haven't really had the kind of training and skills upgrading that would allow them to, you know, maybe advance to a, a more skilled job. So I think it's going to be difficult for them to see, you know, uh, a really good, uh, really good future here in Brooklyn. And again, I think that's that's part of the product of the, the city's policies and the employer's policies. You know, we have to have a hand-in-hand policy uh, that, that promotes job retraining, that promotes yeah. job growth in the manufacturing blue-collar sectors. Well, I like, I like yeah. the idea of retraining because you just teach, you teach a hipster how to make a pickle. He eats for <laughs> he eats for the rest of his life. You know, yeah. you know. I'm talking. To, I'm looking at you, McClure's, with your eight dollar and fifty cent pickle. But it's out there, right? They're making it in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. So maybe we can get the De Blasio administration if they can hear the sound of my voice. You retrain those Cumberland workers. And what are, what's not being made in Brooklyn? We got mayonnaise. We got pickles. We got mustard. Maybe we come, we got beer. What else? What what isn't being made? Maybe that's the next next big growth industry. Yeah, it's a pro- it's a matter of scale, though. You know, these yeah. these folks with 320 families. I'm not sure McClure's Pickles has, has got more than you know 15. No, no, we got to have no interest loans for these people. No interest. Let and give us your best idea. We'll set you up in some commissary kitchen. You know what I'm talking about. Maybe we can make a deal with the De Blasio administration right now. Hey, anything's possible. I don't hear my phone ringing. That's the problem. <laughs> all right, Misha, we got to get out. You sound like a good guy. We're going to try to get Cumberland on the phone, and if we do, we're going to call you back, all right? All right, good luck. All right, Misha, thanks for coming on the show. Good guy. Yeah. Uh, hang up on him, Jimmy. All right, I gotta say it was a good segment. Yeah, good segment. Always nice. nice to be on the show with you, but I'm not done yet because we gotta pay some bills, no, Jimmy. We, gotta pay, we gotta pay one more bill, and I'm gonna Jimmy. I'm gonna introduce this bill. You know, Vinny's eating at Atlas Steakhouse. Wait, I didn't want to call them. Yeah, no. Vinny's eating at Atlas Steakhouse. Now I he's gonna tell it. us about it. Give me a little Atlas. There you oh, go. There, I love that. Yeah, that's good. Give me a uh, and just let's. I, I just want you to listen to this music for a second. Just take a quick listen. I got it. I'm getting aroused. Like, I'm really getting aroused. I don't know why. Actually, I know why. I know why I'm getting aroused. Tell me about Atlas Steakhouse now. I'm ready. You know, Atlas Steakhouse offers you a unique dining experience. First, you choose your steak, and every cut is aged to tender perfection on site. Then... You pair it with a vintage from their extensive wine list or with an Atlas Steakhouse signature cocktail. You can enjoy a succulent appetizer as the master chef crafts your choice cut as you desired. Yes! And when your main course arrives, you will understand why at Atlas Steakhouse, they are always offering you a cut above the rest. If I wanted to have, like, sweet and low sprinkled on my steak, would they do that? I think they would do whatever you'd want, Gersh. Yeah. You want a little sweet and low in there? You want a little... Maybe maybe a little sugar in the raw. I'm just getting so aroused. It's very good. Atlas Steakhouse is at 943 Coney Island Avenue. You can visit them online at atlassteak.com. I love Atlas Steakhouse. You know, I, I drive by Atlas Steakhouse almost every other day because my daughter, as you know, goes to Edward R. Murrow High School. Uh-huh. And you know, I'm going to call her right now. I'm going to call her. Give her, give her a call. 
I'm going to call my daughter. I'm just calling my daughter. I'm just calling her. Yeah. I told her to expect the call, maybe, if I had time. Yeah, no, we got to give her a call. Put her on the phone. I love Jane. Jane Kunzman. Jane. Jane, stop this crazy thing. I hope she answers. I'm always so nervous when we when we make a phone call. Well, hi, it's my... Hello. Hey, is that Hello. Jane? Hi. Hey, Jane Kunzman, this is Gersh Kunzman on the Brooklyn Paper Radio. As you know, I'm with the Daily News. And Vince DiMaselli with the Brooklyn Paper. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Well, it's oh. great to hear the sound of your voice. I know you're home from Martin Luther King Day. How did you celebrate Martin Luther King's dream today? Um, well, I stayed in my pajamas all day until 2 o'clock. There you go. That's, that's just like what I did. And just like what Martin did. I'm not yes. sure about that. All right, so the question, the reason we want you on the phone, we were just talking about Atlas Steakhouse, which is on the way from our house to your high school, Edward R. Morrow. And it's very rare for our listeners, Jane, to get the perspective of an American, or in this case, a Brooklyn high school student. Mm -hmm. So okay. give us the lowdown. Jane, how are you How are you enjoying high school? Um, it's a lot. It's crazy. There are 4,000 kids in my school. That's a big so school. Crowded. More kids are in her school, which only takes up a city block, than are in the town I grew up in, Ardsley, New York. Is that yeah. true, Jane? Well, Jane doesn't know. No, anyway, Jane, fine. but how you say it's a little it's a little tough. Look, high school's a big adjustment. What would you say if you and you got policymakers on the phone right now with us, what would you say is the one message you'd want to send to the politicians and the land grabbers and the bullshit artists? What do you want what message do you want to send to them? Um I'm not sure. I'd like to say that maybe you should just cancel school altogether and no one can ever have to deal with the crazy stress of high school. Okay, oh that's, a radical, that's, that's, that's a radical yeah, proposal. That's, that's, that's going very far. That's practically anarchy. I'm going to start calling you Baby Trotsky. But here's okay. no. But what there is a lot of stress. What would you do to ratchet that stress down just a little bit, just to make it a little bit like, hey, guys, it's only ninth grade. What's the? Why is there so much pressure? What would you do? Less homework, um, more longer hours, full year schooling. What would it be? Common Core. Um, I don't know. Uh, maybe less homework. It's a lot of work. A lot, a lot of homework. A little less homework. A lot of homework yeah. out there. All right, we got to get out, Jane. I'm coming home in about a half an hour, and you and I are going to get down and dirty with math. Okay. It's All be right. Very exciting. Everybody, Jane Kunzman on the line. Jane, great talking to you. Yeah, you too. Say goodbye <laughs> to Vinny, baby. Bye, Vinny. Take care, Jane. Oh, she's a great kid. Oh, I she's her. awesome. I, I love her. I was just wondering if she's looking for a dentist who provides quality care at an affordable price. She's No, she's not looking for a dentist for affordable care. I'm looking for a dentist affordable care. I, Jimmy, before you put the music on, I went to the dentist the other day with Jane and Ben. Ben's mm -hmm. the other one. Yep. $1,200 for a cleaning and a ceiling. Well, I think, uh, I think we just need a little music. Oh, you're going to read it again? I got it. Okay, there he goes. Ooh, I oh, love I got it. it. Well, this is from Ben Sound, their music. So the question I, I posed to you, Gershaw, are you looking for a dentist who provides quality care at an affordable price? I am. And you should look no further than Dr. Joseph Lichta. I love Lichta. Lichta. The dentists and skilled hygienists at Dr. Lichter's state-of-the-art office use the most up-to-date technology and techniques to provide you the best experience possible. Dr. Lichter and his staff perform traditional dental procedures such as teeth cleaning, fillings, root canal therapy, and tooth extractions. But in addition, they offer the latest in restorative and cosmetic dentistry, including implants, porcelain veneers, and crowns, fixed bridges, and more. Procedures that can make a broken smile look like new. The office also offers Invisalign, an 
alternative to metal braces that uses virtually invisible plastic aligners that shift teeth into place over a period of time. Yeah, they're, they're, they're a little more expensive than the metal braces, just no. FYI. Isn't it time you visit, you visit a high-quality, state-of-the-art dentist who keeps dentistry affordable so everyone can benefit? Call Dr. Lichter's office today at 718-339-7878 to set up an appointment that can improve your quality of life. Dr. Lichter is located at 1420 Avenue P. Avenue P as in periodontal. Between East 14th and East 15th Streets in Midwood. And you can visit his website at josephlichterdds.com where you can fill out an online smile analysis and get a personalized response from the office. That's J-O-S-E-P-H. L I C H T E R D D S. Hey, ben, hey, hey, Vince. Vince, can I get a smile analysis right now? Just give me a smile analysis. Let me take a look. Uh, Paint the word picture, baby. I think you need a cleaning. Yeah, I definitely need a cleaning. Last thing I want to do on the show before I let you go, Vince. Mm -hmm. We got to get Ruth Brown in here because she's one of your top editors, yep. and we very rarely have her on the show. No, the she needs to come on. Yeah, but here's the interesting thing. Let me call her. Get her in here quick. I know we're running out of time. We got we five a, minutes. We had a great show. No, it's a good show. People are going nuts online. Hey, Ruth Brown, Gersh Kuntzman here of the Daily News on Brooklyn Paper Radio with Vince DiMasselli. Can you come on in? Yeah, we're going to talk coffee. We're going to talk coffee. So here's the thing. Yeah. Ruth Brown literally, literally, I don't use literally a lot, literally wrote the book. Here she comes. Ruth Brown literally wrote the book on coffee. Ruth, what was the name of that book? It was called Coffee Nerd. Coffee, coffee Nerd. My publisher came up with coffee it. Coffee Nerd. Nerd. So you're a coffee nerd. Um, yeah, I mean, that's what the book says. So okay. let's say sure. So I come into work. Vinny and I, we always go get a cup of coffee. Often we go to Oban Pan because it's right here in the building. Sure. Today, Ruth says, whoa, there's a new place. New place right on a corner. And I'm like, new place? It's going to be better than Oban Pan, right? Mm, yeah. So tell us a little bit about this place and tell us where it is. Well, for context, I we live the uh, beautiful... What do we call this building? Brooklyn Paper Towers. Brooklyn Paper no, 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 Building. Brooklyn Paper Brooklyn building. building, which is in downtown Brooklyn. I also live in Brooklyn, uh, downtown. All right, you got to slow down. You got to slow down because you're just you're, no. But we got to hurry like, up because we got like I two know, minutes. but it's like she had seven cups of coffee. Well, she's been drinking coffee this, all day. She's now just, you're just wasting fuck? time. Okay. Anyway, continue. I live here, so I I have a vested interest in downtown coffee, uh, and there is very limited options. I will also admit to going to Oban Pain because it's downstairs. It's um, close by. Sometimes you need caffeine. You got to. There, uh, there's been a dearth of like you sort of hipster high end coffee downtown. I think we could say, uh, whilst it has proliferated in other areas in Co uh, Borough Hill, Carroll Gardens, Cobble Hill, Dumbo, uh, moving on, Brooklyn Heights. So there is a new coffee place in a large luxury apartment building, which I don't even want to say the name of because it pains me. But it's called Ava Dobro. Avadobro. Which is short for Avalon Bay, which is the name of the developer, and Dobro, which is an awful portmanteau of, of a, downtown Brooklyn. You've no, got to wash your mouth out with soap. I know. I actually that. want bleach in no, my mouth. No, a Dobro is like a, it's like a steel guitar. That may also be true, but I don't think that's okay. where they got there. All right, so yeah. tell us about Avadobro, or the, the, the brew house. Well, I mean, Avadobro is the biggest building in Brooklyn now. Um, I think once they finish it, it's a very large luxury housing complex uh, down on Willoughby How's Street? the coffee? Tell, tell, we've got How's 45 seconds left. How's the coffee? How's the coffee? The coffee's good. The coffee's decent. It's an, it's a nice uh, little roaster called Pushcart Coffee. Uh, I found it a little bit thin. I like a, a full-bodied coffee. Did you have a coffee or did you have a I had uh, coffee? espresso drink? I had, a, I had a flat white. Oh, the Australian flat white. Yeah, All we have. yeah. All right, we got to get out. Anyway, Ruth, tell it. Last thing. Ava Dobro. Mm-hmm. 
And the coffee is from Pushcart Coffee, which has a couple of Gap Hatton locations, they told me. They, yeah, huh? But it's a good find, and if you can hear the sound of our voice, go. It's on Willoughby, what, and, and, and Duffield? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. No, it's on Willoughby, between Duffield and, you know, and whatever. you know where else you should also go if you have time? Yeah. You should go to Atlas Steakhouse. Well, I was going to say, we got to... Ruth, thank you for coming on the show. We got to get out, Jimmy. Let's get a little music. We got to thank our sponsors, Atlas Steakhouse, Brooklyn Spine Center, and our brand new sponsor, Dr. Lichter. He's a dentist. It's Martin Luther King Day. I'm living the dream with Brooklyn Paper Radio. I'm Gersh Kuntzman with Vince DiMaselli live from the Brooklyn Paper Building in downtown. Vince, can't wait to see you next week. Thanks, Ruth, Gersh. great to have you on the show. And, of course, I'm Gersh Kuntzman going to play hockey at the Lefrak Center. Take care, everybody. See you next week.